We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's more fun to be there live for Los Angeles Chargers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Los Angeles Chargers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com chargers. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Get the Charge podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always. Joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Doing very well. Better than Colorado's doing, that's for sure. Steven, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, it's It's been funny to watch my two teams be polar opposites of each other. Uh, Utah cannot <laughs> move the ball at all. They don't know how to play offense, and the Chargers don't know how to stop other teams from moving the ball because they don't know how to play defense. So it's been fun to, fun to watch the two be polar opposites. Uh, in all seriousness, doing good. You know, it's uh, starting to really feel like fall up here in Fresno, which is great. Um, I hate the summers, but I, I love the fall and winter up here. So it's uh, good weather going to Utah for my brother's wedding. Shout out Mike and Haley. Congratulations uh, next week to see some actual fall weather. And I'm really excited about that and for the wedding, too. Obviously, Yeah, you know that, too. Uh, <laughs> congratulations in advance. That's awesome obviously just got married it's great it's the best day ever so hopefully they have a great day as well yeah yep all right so we uh have unfortunately a lot to get into from a health perspective today um before we dive into everything want to send our thoughts prayers condolences to the kendrick's family uh eric kendrick's posted on instagram last night that his father has passed away um, unclear when exactly that happened and, and uh, what kind of impact that has had on Eric Kendrick's ability to play football. But listen, man, like he's his father. And like, I imagine that Eric's going through a lot right now. Um, you know, I imagine the whole family's going through a lot right now. I don't know any details, details or anything like that. But uh, sending some well wishes, condolences to the Kendrick's family. I can't imagine trying to like focus on playing football while losing your father, let alone like functioning as a normal adult. So um, sending positive vibes their way. Yeah. 
sometimes as fans we need the reminder of that these these players are very much so human and there's a lot of things going on beyond what we see them do for you know three hours on a sunday and at practice and that's it they go home they have lives you know they lose they have family to go home to and, and maybe some problems to go home to and unfortunate things like this it's awful i can't imagine like it, my dad passes away i'm not going to work for five years i mean there's i mean there's we just- we get like bereavement leave like we can take work yeah. off like these mm-hmm. guys it's like gotta go play football now right and, and i'm sure there's a portion of the fan base that if he did take you know time off they'd go well you got to be out there for your team like the the stresses of having to do this job while dealing with something like that are unimaginable so yeah i'm um, again thoughts condolences everything to that family to eric kendricks you know we interviewed him didn't talk about his dad but we asked about you know him making the perfect elephant noise and he credited having a great mom that was able to do that and so i think you know between that if that's the kind of same kind of relationship he had with his dad and them being that close um i can't imagine i, I can't imagine it and best of luck to him and his family getting through this and then just playing through it yeah you posted an instagram story that you know his dad uh was never as into cars as he was but he was into them with eric like it was a thing cool. between the two of them um even though his dad was not like a super big car guy like eric is so um you know it seemed like a great dad um you know the kendrick's family is is obviously huge here in fresno um a lot of my coworkers and things like that reached out to me they were the ones who actually pointed it out to me that eric had posted about it so um again you know could not imagine going through that and then having to continue playing football so sending condolences well wishes hopefully everything is is going as well as it can right now for the kendrick's family um another scary situation (laughs) What a what a couple of 24 hours mm-hmm. this has been for the Chargers. Uh, Corey Lindsley dealing with a non-emergent heart-related medical issue. Um, the Chargers reporting that yesterday he will be placed on injury reserve today. Um, the good thing is that this doesn't seem like it's life-threatening at the moment for Corey Lindsley. Um, he obviously popped up on the injury report on Wednesday, um, but he is continuing to work with doctors and, and get a, a true proper diagnosis and treatment. Um, but the good news is that it doesn't seem like this is like threatening at the moment. Um, obviously hope that it does not become that at any point for Corey Lindsley and, and, you know, similar to Eric Hendricks, like right now, Corey's health is, is bigger than football. Um, we will talk about some of the football ramifications, but again, mm-hmm. thoughts, well wishes to the Corey Lindsley family as, as he deals with this. Um, anytime that you hear the words, uh, non-emergent heart related medical issue, <laughs> my that was a big you know a scare for me you know just like as a human being mm-hmm. um but it sounds like Corey is is okay uh bridget condon said that he's in good spirits but still man scary scary situation for Corey lindsay yeah the heart i mean the body in general it's it's amazing how fragile we can be and our bodies can be where we, we take the next day for granted or we assume our health is going to be consistent and we have years and years and years until something pops up uh, I don't want to speculate on what this is in particular. Obviously, it's related to his heart. Yeah. Don't know beyond that. And then thankfully, it's currently not an emergency situation. But yeah, man, uh, heart stuff is no joke. And I I don't care if this is the last time he's played. I would love to see him play more, of course. But take care of you. You know, you, your family, you know, you see the Lindsley family. You know, I think his wife made a tweet as well about him being just a great you know, father, human being, teammate, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's the most important thing. You know, my, my dad suffered an aortic dissection like six, five years ago. And if he didn't go to the hospital, I'm not going to the game with him tomorrow. You know, this stuff is so fragile. There are so many things that could happen yep. just like that. And sometimes it doesn't matter what your age is. You know, this is a you know, athletic guy, uh, high paid guy, by all accounts, has been fine. And now has this this issue. It's really unfortunate, whatever it is. And again, hoping for nothing but the best long term for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a scary situation. You know, I my mother in law has had a stroke before, and like if they had not recognized it instantly, like same kind of conversation, right? So like anytime you have these kind of scares, it's just you have to act on it immediately. You have to take every kind of precaution. Um, and credit to the Chargers for just like immediately like giving him time. You know, so. Uh, in the short term, potentially the long term, Will Clapp will be the starting center for the Chargers. Um, Corey Lindsay is going to be placed on injury reserve later today, probably in the next couple hours. Um, 
I assume Dean Marlowe will be taking his spot on the active roster. They already have uh, elevated him twice. So one more elevation would have meant that they would have had to sign him on the uh, 53-man roster anyway. And so now Dean Marlowe will potentially take that spot, potentially start tomorrow for the Chargers <laughs> as well, which is another situation we can get into. But um, what are your thoughts as we transition into this period with Will Clapp as the starting center for the foreseeable future? Um, geez, how do I say this? I think Will Clapp is a fine backup, and I think that he, he is a backup, and we do need to understand that this is no longer Corey Lindsley right. out there. Lindsay didn't start the year super hot in terms of pressures, um, although that's more by his standard than just being bad. It was just, you know, we're used to seeing 0.1 pressures per game, and now it's yeah. been, you know, a he's still a per- top 10 center. We're just used to him yeah. being like the top one. <laughs> right, exactly. So, do you do need to manage, you know, I guess expectations? Not, it's not going to be perfect. Uh, the issue really is not this game, nor is it the following week. It's the next two after that where you're playing the Chiefs and the Cowboys. And it's tough. The, the margin for error for the Chargers right now, especially on offense, is so small. You know, Herbert is not a winner because he can't pull a seventh touchdown drive, yeah. you know, in, in the final minutes of, of the Dolphins game or sixth touchdown drive or whatever. Uh, and he's not a winner because of that. The margin for error is so small. And... I mean, the defense has to pick it up. You know, I don't know how much better the offense can get, especially with Lindsley out. So the defense really needs to pick it up because you go play the Chiefs, you go play the Cowboys, you're now scratching and clawing and fighting for every point you can get. And you yeah. can't just have the defense just, oh, there's an 80-yard touchdown right after you drove and fought and clawed, you know, for 80 yards and 12 plays or whatever to get there. So I, it's a strange thing to think about that, right? Like it's more, it's about like the defense now having to step up with Corey Lindsley out. But the, yeah. again, the margin for error is so small and he's not going to be Corey Lindsley. So hopefully the protection's figured out. I'm glad, as you pointed out, that Zion Johnson, Jamari Sully really stepped up last game. Yeah. So I think just having that thrown at you is good. Um, I don't recall how Will Clapp was when he was the starter going into a game last season. But I, I feel like generally, unless he was thrown in there, you know, mid game, like he was against the Chiefs. I think he was fine. So I think they'll be okay. But I mean, don't get it twisted. The, the two weeks after the buy are going to be a bit rough. Yeah, it's a huge loss. I mean, Corey Lindsay uh, is one of their five best players when he's healthy, in, in my opinion, even still in kind of like a, a down year for him. Um, you know, the. The good thing that makes me feel good about this situation is that Justin has taken a significantly larger role in setting mm. protections. And mm-hmm. in the past, it was all on Corey's plate. So when Corey was injured and Will Clapp comes in, and people need to remember that Will Clapp is also not a quote-unquote natural center. Like he, last last year in the NFL was his first NFL season where he was playing center, like primarily. You know, the, the Saints used him mostly as a guard. So he's learning how to play center while also trying to handle protections and replace Corey Lindsley, who is an expert at protections. And so that was like the main issue last year when Will Clapp would come in is that just like the overall protection plan would suffer. But now with, with Justin Herbert being able to take that bigger step with protections, I think they'll be able to manage it at a much higher level last than they did last year. You also have to take into consideration that last year you had Matt Filer at left guard and Matt Filer was basically not able to function. And one thing that they did last year was that, Will Clapp was basically helping Matt Filer on like every play. And you want to talk about mm-hmm. like the Chiefs stuff, like wherever Matt Filer was, like that's where the Chiefs were sending pressures was was Matt Filer and Will Clapp's direction. And it left Zion on an island super often when he was able to, uh, you know, once he was able to get into the swing of things, he was the guy who was setting or, uh, you know, handling the one-on-one portion of the interior spots. So, you add in Jamari and Zion instead of Filer and Zion. You add in Justin Herbert taking on a bigger step in in protections. I think Will Clapp will be fine mm-hmm. relative to the scale. Like I said this on Twitter yesterday, and people were like, you're really overvaluing Will Clapp's ability. I'm like, I'm not. Like, I'm my expectations are relative to what Will Clapp is. I think he is a fine backup center who will handle his business. But I think the Chargers are just in a better spot this year to deal with this kind of loss than they were last year in a similar fashion uh, to how we talked about the Mike Williams injury, 
having Quentin Johnson, Joshua Palmer, mm -hmm. and these guys, I just think they're in a better spot to deal with it. But losing Corey Lindsley is huge, 100%. I just think that they're, they'll be okay relative to, you know, that kind of injury. Yeah. Uh, I, I Listen, I, I hope it's not the entire season of this. Again, it makes things very difficult. What yeah. do you make of then who kind of fills in for Will Clapp's role <laughs> as that extra guy? Um, we've seen a bit of it with like Foster Sherrill will go in and as the extra lineman, but never as that that fullback Hulk package sort of type. So is that something that Hypmus would do instead? Or do you think they would feel better about McFadden there? I don't recall if we saw anything in the preseason that, that would indicate who would be the next guy to do that, if they do that at all. No, I don't think they did any of that in the preseason. They did some, of you mentioned, like Fort Foster Sorrell coming in as a six offensive lineman kind of thing. Um, I would think that it would be either Zach Bailey or McFadden. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see. You know, Brendan Hymas is going to be active now. So they'll, they'll, they'll have to figure out who's going to be your inactive offensive lineman because Hymas is going to be your center two now instead of center three. And he's been the one that's been active. So either Zach Bailey or Jordan McFadden are going to be healthy scratches going forward. Um, I would tend to think that Zach Bailey might have a little bit more trust just because he's like the veteran. But I don't know. I would I would think it would be one of those two instead of Hymas. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking of like the timing and maybe it's too conspiracy of me, but like I'm just surprised that they kept Hymas, you know, as the, as a third center on your team. And then last week they signed Zach Bailey. Like, yeah. This is very conspiracy of me, so I'll just throw it out there. Do you feel that there was any potential indication of any of this before the season and that this is something they needed more answers on and it was non-emergency and playable, but there was something maybe they needed to figure out? Again, it feels kind of conspiracy to say that, but like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm connecting things that don't need to be connected. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, especially right away after, you know, the illness pops up on Wednesday's injury report. Um, you know, Corey did have a, a good amount of veteran rest days in training camp, which is not abnormal. Like he had been doing that. Um, obviously, he had the knee tendonitis issue last year. So I, I wouldn't put too much stock into that. I feel like if Corey was having a heart issue, we would have known about it before this week. I think this is something that's kind of, spur of the moment so to speak yeah makes sense um regarding the jerry tillery stuff uh because people in my mentions were like this is gonna be a jerry tillery revenge game he had six pressures last year he's basically an edge rusher for the raiders now like he's not playing defensive tackle for them uh so he will see a lot of Rashawn slater and uh so i'm not concerned at all about jerry tillery this week just throwing that out there <laughs> I mean, I certainly hope not. And I, I think maybe I'm guessing Raiders fans are overrating what happened last time where I believe Hymas was guard. Yes, because um, that's the other thing, too. So Will Clapp was starting and people are like, mm -hmm. oh, Will Clapp gave a pressure to Jerry Tilly. He didn't play him. Like, if you look at that game, Will Clapp only allowed one pressure. Zion left for three drives or two drives. And in nine snaps, Brendan Hymas gave up five pressures to Jerry Tillery. Like it was Brendan Hymas playing out of position, playing in, in for Zion Johnson. Um, and, uh, you know, Jerry is not a good player, but he's a player who can take advantage of a third string guard or fifth <laughs> string guard. So that's know. definitely a way to put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The I'm reviews not concerned are in. about Jerry Tillery this week. Yeah. Wow. What an endorsement. Uh, let me see Jerry Tillery's run stop rate. I swear if it's top five. Okay, it's not. Where it's not. Tillery but here? also his pass rush win rate is lower than Nick Williams. For the okay, so Jerry Jerry Tillery's run stop rate is 71st out of 73. So um, <laughs> on brand, res yes. respectfully, sounds about right. They were, uh, they were all these like uh, training camp quotes about Jerry Tillery from the Raiders uh, defensive staff. And I was like laughing so hard. They're like, we feel great about where he's at. He can do so many different things. He's going to take more snaps against against tackles for us this year. And I think he has like two pressures through. Oh, three please, no, please take, please take a rep against Rashawn Slater. Yes, please. <laughs> <It was gracious>. <laughs> <laughs> please. I, I love, go for it. You know? Yes. If, if you, I don't know. Listen, if you're a Raiders fan at this point, Jerry Tillery, I think, is second on your team in pressures. I, you know, I, I guess you're grasping at straws at that point because your first round pick has one and the other guy has like two. Uh, so, 
I, yeah. Sure. I, I guess he's been better than expected, which is great to hear, but um, for sure doesn't mean he's been good. For sure. Um, circling back here, like from a football perspective for the Chargers, I I am a little bummed just like from the team perspective because I I really thought that this offensive line would have the chance to be like a truly special top five unit. And, you know, you're talking about Slater, Zion, Clapp, Jamari, and Pipkins. That's still a really, really good unit. Like, if this were three years ago, losing Corey Lindsay would have tanked the offensive line. But they're in such a better spot now that I still think that they're, you know, borderline top 10 unit. But it just sucks. You get three games out of a potential top five unit, and we'll see if Corey Lindsay can come back. But um, I just, it, it's a bummer, man. Like, this would have been the best offensive line in Chargers history, and it could still become that. But uh, it just sucks to not be able to see that come to fruition very much. Yeah, I'm assuming Corey would have figured things out in pass protection. Not that, again, not that he was terrible. But, again, just it's like it's like point shaving just a little bit. You know, you lose Mike Williams. Offense is still probably, probably going to be pretty good. You know, Herbert's still out there. Keenan's been great. Feel good about the rest of your receiving core. But things are just going to drop down a little bit. You know, maybe there's a couple of points there. Yeah. And then now you lose Corey Lindsley. And there's maybe a couple of points there, a point there, or whatever. You know, one drive is killed now because of some mistakes so yeah it's really unfortunate that the, the ceiling for this offense is, is currently taking pretty dramatic hits um yeah. because of two losses so far yeah i mean Corey and mike those are your, two of your five best offensive players so it's yeah tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. um all right we talked a lot about the safety room on thursday night so i don't want to revisit that too much but um derwin james officially doubtful alohi gilman is questionable um it sounds like derwin again i'm not surprised i don't think he's gonna play it sounds like alohi is going to be like a true game time decision um he was uh let me make sure i get this right he was limited in practice yesterday and brandon staley said that there's a chance that he is able to play um but like we mentioned earlier if there if he's not then it would be uh, jt was also out forgot that was was a thing yeah uh with an illness so uh, if Alohi is able to play, you're looking at Alohi, Raheem Lane, and Dean Marlowe. I assume the Chargers will also activate um, AJ Finley. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, hopefully Alohi is able to play. Yeah, I. <laughs> Again, we were concerned about the safety depth. I didn't think we'd go through two and three in one week, and then one's not going to play either. We'll see with yeah. Alohi, obviously. But I mean, did not practice, did not practice. I'm honestly surprised he's even questionable given what happened and starting with the way he did so yeah uh raheem lane dean marlowe godspeed good luck (laughs) you know this is thankfully looking at the injury report overall this is a great game i guess to not have everybody healthy it's not the cowboys or the chiefs (laughs) it's not the cowboys or the chiefs or the ravens or the patriots or whatever um so not a bad game but i i don't know man you know you you hoped that look I know the secondary wasn't great last week, but you can at least maybe start to say that that is the day that maybe the corners started to get into a rhythm. I don't know. Michael Davis, you get what you get, and here you go. Maybe you'll you'll get into a rhythm finally. And then you wipe out safeties one through three, basically. Yeah. After that game, you know, not because of that game, you know, DT Woods being sick, but again difficult difficult situation for the secondary where now their most consistent secondary group is potentially not playing like nobody's playing i didn't know who d marlo was before they like respectfully didn't know who he was and now he's starting and yeah. Devonte adams is here and at least it's just Devonte adams yeah this is 100 a game where you're in shell coverage the entire way and you're just making things as simple as possible for these guys so we'll see how that goes um, Austin Eckler officially doubtful again we've talked a lot about that um, it sounded early in the week like maybe Austin would be able to give it a go um, I'm okay with them giving him the bye week to to get healthy um, you know I know Joshua Kelly in the run game has kind of struggled a little bit but I, I feel better about their chances this week um, from the Raiders side real quick it's unclear if Jimmy G is going to be able to play um, dealing with the concussion uh, I don't I have not seen him be cleared yet my understanding is that you have to be cleared within 24 hours of the game. I don't know if that is accurate or not, but um, I, I believe that he does need to get cleared today if he is going to play. Um, it's unclear who will be the starter if he is not able to play. Some people think it's going to be Brian Hoyer. By people, I mean like national reporters. Others think it's going to be Aiden O'Connell. Uh, hopefully, they choose Brian Hoyer. 
<laughs> um, I know you just had two members on to talk about the Raiders. Did they give an indication of who they thought it would be? They both thought it would be Hoyer, although they okay. both they both are hoping that they wise up and play Aiden O'Connell. So Hoyer it is. Yeah. Um, and then um, Max Crosby, too. I think this is worth mentioning. Um, he's dealing with a knee injury. He was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday and Friday. He did not practice on Thursday. Um, I still expect Max Crosby to play. Um, but if he's a little bit banged up, I think that takes some pressure off of Trey Pipkins. By all means, you still double him. You still chip him. I watched their game against the Steelers on all 22 and was shocked at how often the Steelers just gave Max Crosby like a free runway. And I'm like, what are you? He's one of the best edge rushers in the league. Like, what are you doing? He's their only player on defense. (laughs) So uh, like the game plan is pretty simple. Slide protection his way, double team him, chip him. This is probably a game where Trey McKitty plays a little bit more just as like some extra protection help. Um, but you know, the good news, like as Kevin Kernick points out, you have Rashawn Slater on the other side, you don't need to worry about chipping two edge rushers. So, um, Trey Pipkins for what it's worth only allowed, uh, four pressures last year in week one against the Raiders. And I think Trey is objectively a better football player at this moment in time. Um, Max Robbie's is great. He's going to get Trey, you know, just like Jalen Phillips did a couple of times. Um, but I feel okay about where the chargers can kind of manage Max Crosby this year, especially in comparison to years past. Yeah, I'm very curious how they'll utilize the run game. I think last time you watched them in week one, and it was, okay, we're going to put Trey McKitty on that side, and we're going to run at Max Crosby, and it didn't work. Like, it, it never worked. It was pretty awful. <laughs> no, and I get it. Like, Max Crosby. <laughs> yeah, don't do that anyway. You need to get a good blocking tight end. It's it's rough. It's tough sledding for anybody. So yeah. curious what Kellen Moore does this time around. I can't imagine there's this really strong desire to run right at him. Uh, go test the other edge rushers or, or Jerry Tillery playing edge. Go yeah. after those guys instead. Yeah. All right. So that's the injury stuff. Again, a much lengthier injury report for the Chargers this week. Um, Tyler, let's do our prize pick segment of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you can go to prizepicks.com slash guilty and use the code guilty for a deposit match up to $100. It's been a great partner for us um, to uh, work with. The app is super user friendly. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, an easy app to use. You can choose just chargers games. You can choose NFL games. Um, they have different kind of variations of winnings based off of how many players you choose. So definitely encourage you guys to go check it out. Um, it does help support, uh, the show as well. If you go and do use the app, this isn't just like we get paid because we're talking about them. Like we need you guys to go and, uh, and use the app. So, uh, it's, it's been fun to see other people use it. We encourage everybody to go use it and uh, make yourself some money this weekend. So, Tyler, who is your favorite Chargers-related prize pick this week? Uh, give me Josh Palmer more, 43 and a half receiving yards. I feel like that could even be picked up in one play. It almost was last week on two separate ones. Yeah. And now you're looking at a, a player who's going to step in, I don't want to say into the Mike Williams role, but into the wide receiver two role. And against a secondary that's, I think, rightfully so, going to be focusing on Keenan Allen. In theory, Josh Palmer is the guy who's going to be the most free to do what he wants. Quentin Johnson, I think, could we very well see a 100-yard Quentin Johnson game? Sure. Could we see Darius Davis kiss a 60-yard bomb? Sure. But I think in terms of the floor of the targets, the chemistry, and what we've seen from Josh Palmer as a receiver, I think that he, I think 43 and a half yards, that being where it is, I'll take the more on that one. Yeah, that one feels right. I I think, you know, Joshua Palmer is going to get, uh, like, with the Chargers go 12 personnel, I think that's going to be Palmer out there more so than Quentin. Like, I think he's going to get targets. Um, but like we talked about on Thursday, Quentin could certainly, you know, pop off a couple of big plays and, and, you know, outdo him in yardage. So that's a good one. Um, I'm taking Gerald Everett's line here. I think this is a spot mm-hmm. where Gerald Everett kind of becomes a, a bigger factor. You know, he's been getting you know, four to six targets over the last few weeks. And he's so hard to tackle uh, over space. I do not trust the Raiders safety room to really, you know, do damage against Gerald Everett. So his line uh, on prize picks is 32 and a half receiving yards. That to me is an easy more. Um, And and I'm pretty happy with Everett and Josh Palmer still kind of being a little bit under the radar this week. Yeah, that's 32 and a half. I mean, he's almost been around that the last three weeks so let's see week one 21 then 47 then 30 but like last week 
I don't know exactly when the timing was, but he had six catches last week, which is a, a, yeah. a, a bit of a bigger day in terms of catches for Gerald Everett. I'm curious how much of that was after Mike Williams got hurt. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty solid line there. And, and the good thing about that one is this is a player who can take one target, two targets, three targets. Yeah. I think he is currently averaging six and a half after the catch. So it's not like you require him to get, you know, three catches for 13 yards. Um, and that's it. He can pick up the yards after the catch if needed and kind of really help you get there on the more. So I like that one. Yeah. Um, not a ton of Raiders lines this week. Again, I don't even think Jimmy G is on there. I don't see Devontae Adams on here either. Um, but Josh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, Josh Jacobs is at 0.5 pass plus rushing plus receiving touchdowns. Like I do think this is kind of a get right game for Josh Jacobs. I feel like he was pretty close to popping off some big runs this past mm-hmm. weekend against the Steelers. So unfortunately, I do think Josh Jacobs is going to have himself a good game. I like that line from a perspective. Um, and then league wide, Josh Allen against the Dolphins. Um, his passing line is at two sixty eight point five. This feels like a very like quintessential Josh Allen go off game to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that line as a more. Um, anything else that you like this week, Tyler? Yeah, Joe Burrow, one and a half passing touchdowns against Tennessee as a more. I like that one. I know the, the offense has not been good, but I think that's reflected in, in the line right now, one and a half passing touchdowns. And I think that this Tennessee secondary is not great, has not been great. By EPA per play, they're not great. And I think that the Bengals finally start to get things rolling. So I think that, again, the, the line is at one and a half. So I think getting the more there feels Pretty safe. Um, Corlin Sutton, more at 55.5 receiving yards. Do I love Denver and Russell Wilson? Not necessarily. Uh, is Chicago a terrible defense right now? Yeah. And Corlin Sutton was very much so involved, even in their blowout loss. So I think that at 55.5 yards against a garbage, garbage defense, the Chicago Bears, in terms of the secondary and how they've been playing, um, I like that one. Yeah. That's a good call for sure. All right, uh, let's get to our weekly picks here. Um, it's been a uh, tough start to the season for all of us regarding the Chargers picks. Um, so hopefully we can get back on track this week. Um, as it currently stands, Tyler and Alex Insdorf are tied for the lead right now at 7-5. and five. Um, If you're just joining the show, we do this every single year. Um, the losers all have to buy a jersey of choice for the winners. Um, so right now it's a bit of a struggle for yours. Truly again, I'm Owen three for the chargers. So that has not been great for me. Um, Arjun at six and six, Alex Katzen at five and seven. So trying to, uh, turn it around this week. Yeah, you got it, man. <laughs> I'm trying to pick like different picks every week. Cause you know, like there's similar picks every single week and I'm like, okay, like I, I need to try and be different, but Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to pick the smart ones, and and that's a tough thing for me to realize sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you and I have been either fourth or fifth in some order to make these picks, too, and we, we try to mix it up a little bit, not yeah. pick the favorites. I think Alex last week took both the Eagles and the Cowboys. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, now granted, the Cowboys ended up losing, but I would have certainly taken the Cowboys over the Cardinals. So, yeah. you know, you, you and I are trying to mix it up a little bit, uh, let these guys go, and then not pick the same you know, not just pick the easy ones. Yeah, I, I saw this uh, thing about ESPN survivor pools being like 90% done already because so many people had been waiting to pick the Cowboys against the Cardinals last week. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was a tough loss to uh, stomach if you're a, a better. So um, all right, Arjun has the 49ers as his favorite this week over the Arizona Cardinals who are like shockingly playing really tough so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um our guy Kaiser White had a game-winning interception last week. Um, he has the Baltimore Ravens as the underdog against the Browns, who have the league's best defense right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings, who are playing the Panthers, I believe. And then he has the Chargers winning 24-20. to Alex Katzen also has the Vikings. He has the Seahawks um, over the Giants. He has the Houston Texans um, as his underdog or as his either-or pick. Um, I think the Texans are playing the Colts, I believe. Um, and then he has the Chargers winning pretty big, uh, 30 to 21. Alex Insdorf has the Chiefs beating the, the Jets on Sunday Night Football, um, where Taylor Swift is going to be attending. And I think we're going to get like 75 mentions of her on Sunday Night Football. So prepare yourself if you're not a, a Taylor Swift fan. 
Um, he has the Miami Dolphins over the Bills and then the Seahawks over the oh, I'm sorry, I was reading his wrong. He has Houston over the Steelers and then Denver over the Bears. And then he has the Chargers winning uh, 27 to 24. I, I love the Denver over Chicago one. Like what a what a <laughs> fart in the elevator of a game to have to pick. And he has right here the little toilet bowl uh, emoji thing up here for us. Yeah, yeah. that's uh that is something. I, I, Taylor Taylor Swift. I hey man, whatever brings on new fans, it's awesome. I guess. Uh, I'm curious what happens when the inevitable breakup occurs um, in, in terms of fandom and backlashes. You think NFL fan, fans are passionate? Um, I think Taylor Swift, Swift fans are different. Yeah, I think her movie of the concerts is breaking records in terms of pre-box office sales. So those yeah. Swifty fans are going to be uh, interesting to say the least. And I, I, guess I think I know. think it's good for the sport. Like it's bringing more attention to the sport, and it's certainly good for Travis Kelsey and and Jason Kelsey and their podcast and and Travis Kelsey's merchandise sales. And um, but it's you know. <laughs> Chris Collinsworth uh, talking about Taylor Swift on Sunday Night Football is going to be some, some <laughs> very cringeworthy commentary uh, this weekend. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, right. I, I can't wait to get the... Okay, anyway, uh, my picks. Right. San Francisco over Arizona. No one had picked this week, so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll finally take the, the easy one, it feels like. San Francisco over Arizona. But like you said, Arizona's defense is playing pretty tough. You know, again, they, they won a really good game last week against an injured Cowboys team. Uh, Miami over Buffalo as the underdogs. I don't expect Miami to put up 70, but they can certainly put up 30-something, and I think that's pretty good. Uh, and then either or, I went with Seattle over the Giants because I didn't want to pick another one. Uh, yeah. So Seattle over the Giants seemed like a thing I could pick. That would make some sense. Um, as far as the Chargers game, I do have them winning. I, I kind of go back and forth on what the score is going to be. I would honestly change it to a lower score if, if Hoyer is officially announced. Um, I, I guess to a certain extent, O'Connell as well. I just, I fear the unknown a bit more there, but uh, I will go chart chargers winning. Nope. W and I'm going to have them winning only 24 to 17. I think these games are always closer than everyone wants them or thinks they should be. I've been to enough of these games and watched enough of these games against the Raiders where every single time it doesn't matter. I've seen Terrell prior take the chargers to the end of the game. Um, he ended up being a receiver for Washington. <laughs> right. So, like, you know, any, anything can happen. If rivalry games are just a bit different. Um, and I think this Chargers offense is, is still trying to figure things out. 17 is a very low score in terms of the the, the Raiders' offense compared to what the Chargers have been doing on defense. I, just if you're if your guy's not playing, you know, it's not going to be great. And I, frankly, I haven't seen a whole lot from Jimmy G that suggests it's going to be a wow. Look at this game. So I am, I'm not worried about the Raiders offense. I'm, I am just continuing to be worried about the, the Chargers defense. And I think if the Chargers have to win a shootout, and I guess there are some injuries involved here, so maybe it's more understandable, but if the Chargers have to win, you know, 30 to 27, I almost feel like you can just call it a season. You know, if Brian Hoyer is putting up 27 something points on you. Yeah. So I really hope that the Chargers granted with injuries, can hold Brian Hoyer and the Raiders to, you know, at least under 24. Hope it's not a high scoring game. Brother, if they give up 27 points to Brian Hoyer, <laughs> it's, it's over. Yikes. It's over, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. If Brian Hoyer is starting, there's, there's zero reason that the Raiders should score more than 17 points. Um, I think that the Chargers are going to win. But I'm gonna fall on the sword this week and make sure that we're not five and zero on the Chargers. Are you gonna so, pick them to lose? Just because, like, I I I am a believer. Like, I'm not uh, superstitious by any means, but like the picks, I think matter. And like, I'm debating right <laughs> now, like, because every every time like NFL Network goes like full on one team, the team always loses. Like, I'm debating right now, falling on the sword and and making sure that we're not five and zero. But. Uh, what do you think about that? Are you a believer in the pick the pick superstition or no? Uh, no. I mean, I picked them to win last week, uh, and they did end up actually <laughs> finally winning. Uh, but, but last we, week we were split. Last week we like, yeah, last week we were split. Week before that, we all had the Chargers winning, and they lost. Week before that, okay. we all had the Chargers winning, and they lost. Okay, so I, I I'll, get I'll let the I'll let the chat decide. Are you superstitious about picks mattering 
should I go for the clean sweep? Because I do think the Chargers are going to win. But chat, let me know. Like, <laughs> am I crazy? Am I the only one who thinks like this? Here's my thing. Just, yeah, I guess you could do it now. But that because we'll, we'll save our reverse mojo for the Chiefs and, Bro- and Cowboys games where I'm definitely picking them to lose. <laughs> so... Okay, the chat is saying do not do a, do not do the clean sweep. Okay, yeah. So I'll say, uh, if theoretically, if the Raiders were to win, it's like on a last second field goal. Um, I'll I'll say uh, like twenty five to twenty four, like that. That would be like how the Raiders win. So I'm gonna fall on the sword. I'm gonna take the loss and the picks. You're all welcome. You can I'll continue to be in last place, and the Chargers will win tomorrow. So you're welcome. Okay, so you're gonna have them officially winning what? What score? Twenty-five to twenty-four. Chargers. Or are you taking it? I'm I'm avoiding the clean sweep, so I'm. I'm oh, you're avoiding it. Okay. I am saying I am picking the Chargers, but officially on the sheet, I'm saying Raiders to avoid the clean sweep. <laughs> all right. So you're all welcome. Yeah, the, the Chargers beat Brian Hoyer and the Raiders. It's because of Steven. Uh, Thank <laughs> him in advance. And if they, if they lose to Brian Hoyer and the Raiders, I'll tell you what, man, you're doing this show solo next week. <laughs> Again, I think the Chargers are going to win, but I am superstitious about picks. And every time all five of us agree, the, the opposite result happens. So I, uh, I'm, I'm falling on the sword. Jury, so pick the Raiders to win three to two. <laughs> oh man, no, I, I'm, I'm surprised that there aren't more people who think like this. Like, I don't know. I feel like picks matter. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We we only ever hear about when we're wrong about these picks, never when we're we're right about these picks. It's like, yeah. oh, you picked them to lose. You were wrong. Yeah, I pick them to win like 90% of the time and I never hear it. <laughs> yeah, this is just more for fun. Like I, I love NFL football and, you know, I like having competition with my friends. So it's a good way to do that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, all right, before we continue, uh, I got to give a quick shout out to Little Caesars. Um, after the shout out to Little Caesars, we'll take some questions. So feel free to start firing away. Uh, but Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers. We invite you to go take advantage of their uh, kickoff special that happens one hour before NFL games start kicking off. Um, it is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, and they have a great pizza portal pickup for uh, quick delivery or for quick pickup. Um, my personal favorite is the pepperoni and sausage green pepper combination. Crazy bread always hits as well. So go check them out again. That's little Caesars official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles chargers. Yeah. Get yourself some pizza, man. If you're going to stress eat watching the chargers, go get some little Caesars pizza. Yeah. All right. We'll start with this one from, uh, Demetrius. Uh, JC Jackson is going to be active this week. Dean Leonard is doubtful, so that's another layer to this kind of conversation, too. We'll see if they um, elevate uh, Matt Hankins from the former Iowa corner from the practice squad. Uh, Any expectations that he starts? What's kind of your 
vibe right now for JC this weekend? I don't know, dude. Like what? Super weird. I, I really Super don't weird. know. What are my expectations that I'll be confused that, you know, my expectation is, okay, what do I think probably wouldn't happen? So it'll happen. He goes out there and he starts over Michael Davis, which I can almost understand. Uh, JC Jackson's cap situation isn't great and they could cut him post June 1st and, and save a bit next year. But like he is currently on the books and they did start him in several occasions over Michael Davis. So I could see them going, look, we got to figure this out. So let's see what you got. But then, okay, we have the bye week. So do we play the bye week? Do we let him figure things out? You know, Jameson Omar talked about JC's probably at like 80% to 90% right now. He's definitely not 100%. Um, it's a miracle that he's even out there. So do you do you play to get him in better shape and to get used to things and, and start, you know, because part of it's such a mental aspect too. He has to learn to retrust that injury or that knee again and retrust that he can cut and plant and move um, like he hopefully was before. I don't know. If they, honestly, if they didn't name Jaw the starter at, at Star, then I would honestly think that JC and Davis are your outside corners and Zon's your, your slot guy and you just roll with that the rest of the way. But they didn't do that and they yeah. healthy scratch JC. So again, my answer for this is honestly, I have no idea. I unfortunately think we're going to see a bit of a rotation again this week. Um, I interviewed Asante Samuel Jr. yesterday and um, he seemed to imply that he's an outside corner only right now. Um, that they really trust him out there more so than they trust him in the slot. That was not his implication. That was Brandon Staley's implication. Um, the Dean Leonard injury here, I think, is an underrated underlying story because Dean is the special teams player. And Jasir Taylor hasn't been playing as much special teams because he's been a starter. Well, now you need Jasir to play special teams because you're not playing JC Jackson on special teams. Um, so I kind of expect JC to rotate in with Michael Davis, maybe Asante Samuel Jr. get some more slot reps this week. I unfortunately think we're going to be unhappy with how the rotation goes this weekend but yeah i expect jc to play i don't expect him to start but i do think he plays and sees some snaps this week yeah i'm very curious to see how they go about i haven't watched film of the raiders in their passing game but again the numbers are just i mean 40 receiving yards for renfro was it three for mayor and like two for the other guy i mean it's just i'm curious how they go about doing this it's pretty wild to watch their offense on tape because there are times where there those guys are open and Jimmy G does not care. <laughs> that ball is going <laughs> to Devonte nine times out of ten. I feel like, and there were you know I forget who kind of coined this term, but there's this phrase out there called hospital balls. Like mm-hmm. there are times oh, where yeah. Devonte's mm-hmm. running into both safeties and his own defender, and Jimmy's just like, "Yep, Devonte." Mm-hmm. So it, it's pretty wild to watch how Devonte centric it is right now. Um, there have been times, like I said, that Hunter Renfro is just like chilling in the slot open and Jimmy just does not get there. So mm-hmm. it's uh, if there were ever a game to double team anybody, it's this one against Devonte Adams. Yeah. With uh, Dean Marlowe help over the top. Didn't think I'd be saying that by week four. Me neither. Me neither. Again, respectfully, did not know he existed until they signed him. <laughs> uh, Nimisabe, with Williams out, how big of a role will Davis and Guyton, when he returns, have going forward? Um, Darius Davis has basically been seeing about 10 snaps a game. Um, they'll pitch him the ball or hand him the ball every other game at this point. They're not throwing him the football very much. Um, they have been using him as kind of like the Tyreek Hill cheat motion player. So they'll line him up like in line and quick motion him out kind of thing. Um, he ran a wheel route a couple of times and was open on one of them for what it's worth. But I, I don't think we see Davis's role increase that much. I think this is like firmly Quentin Johnston and Joshua Palmer see a bigger increase with some more 12 personnel kind of thing. Yep, I completely agree with you there. I am very curious what happens with Guyton. And I'm curious how they decide to change. Like if Kellen Moore decides to change things up a little bit, We've seen a lot of this horizontal work with Mike Williams um, and obviously Keenan Allen. I wonder how much things change when he returns. There's just an aspect of trust that, again, Herbert has. The reason Guyton's on the team is because of Justin Herbert, honestly. The trust that they have, the rapport that they have, you know, Herbert will throw it down the field to Jalen Guyton. 
And I'm just curious how much things change when he returns. So I think I don't think Davis's role changes. You know, Quentin Johnson will obviously play a lot more, but I am curious how much more decides to change things, um, especially with some of the the the, the teams they're playing coming up. Yeah. Um, okay, ET44A, what's been the biggest difference we're seeing with Michael Davis this year? Last year he was amazing. What are your what are your thoughts here about Michael Davis? I don't know if this is true or not, but he just feels a step behind. It almost feels like something is physically not as like there are moments where he had to chase a receiver last week against the Vikings, and he just flat out couldn't get there. And this is your four three player, tall player, long strider. By all accounts, you know, outside of Dean Leonard, your your best athlete in terms of speed in the secondary, and he's just not getting there. And so I think it's a combination of that, some panic, um, sometimes just you know not playing correctly, the rotation, um, so many different things. But he, he definitely just seems out of sorts. There's not this flow state, I guess, when he used to be, play last year. Everything was just perfectly timed and in rhythm. You know, press, move, whatever he had to do. It, it all looked under control, no matter who it was, Tyreek Hill or the worst receiver. didn't matter. Always under control. This year just feels like, I don't know, things are a bit lost. I don't know if it's communication in the secondary roles, the rhythm, something physically slowing them down. I don't know. But he just doesn't look quite the same in terms of the twitch, in terms of the long speed, and then just comfort, comfort just being there. But I don't know. It, it definitely is a surprise to see what's happening so far. Yeah, I coverage performance is is pretty fluky sometimes. Like even if you look at high end cornerbacks, you know it can be kind of you know rangy. Like uh, AJ Terrell last year was was pretty you know, like he gave up a lot of yards last year. The year before that, he was pretty locked down. This year, he's pretty locked down. So there, I think Michael Davis was due for some regression from last year, but at the same time, like I, I just don't feel the same kind of confidence from him at this point in time. Um, some of that could be the rotation. Some of that could be just kind of like the circumstances of the season, you know, going up against Tyree kill and Justin Jefferson, like some of that could be just who they're playing. Um, so hopefully he can get back on track because I think if you watched last year, like Michael Davis was the key for them getting back on track from a pass defense standpoint, you know, what he was doing on a week to week basis. And I still firmly believe that if he doesn't get hurt against the Jaguars, that they win that playoff game. Um, cause he was just that impactful to the way that they were using him and the scheme and everything. Um, I've seen less press looks this year than at the tail end of last year. That could be something that's kind of maybe throwing him off a little bit. So I'd love to see him be able to get a little bit more physical going forward. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough spot. Cause I mean, we were advocating for a Michael Davis extension in the off season, you know, calling him an elite player at the cornerback position at the tail end of the season. And he's been really struggling. I think some of it is just like a lack of confidence right now. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think he, I know it wasn't a full starting slate for him last year, but I also feel like in some games to open the year, he wasn't quite that same guy. And it really almost took like a third of the year for him to really find his groove and then settle in that and then be elite the rest of the way. So maybe it's, it's one because he's rotating and two because I don't know, things need to, get back into sorts because honestly during training camp, he was freaking awesome. Like he was just dominating, um, was fantastic at training camp. If it went for mm-hmm. Asante Samuel jr. Having an interception every four snaps, we'd be talking more about Michael Davis, who was really, really good. Yeah. So I, I don't quite know what happened, but I'm sure I feel the rotation and everything. is just getting in his head just a little bit. Yeah. I, I hope that this is kind of like a, a get right game for the, for the corners. Um, you know, I am concerned about the safety group this this game, obviously. Um, I'm definitely concerned about Devontae Adams, but you know, Jimmy G, Brian Hoyer, like they're gonna give these cornerbacks some opportunities to make plays on the football. And and hopefully this is a game where they can create some big plays and, and you know get into the bye week and then carry some positive momentum after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this question from Chorizo. Uh under the radar matchup you're most excited to see this week. Under the radar, I don't know. Stuff to stuff to tell when half your team is hurt. So who am I thinking of? Um, there. Under the radar matchup. Under the radar is tough. Like I, I am personally looking forward to, or I'm going to be focusing on. Yes, of course, the secondary is the big story. But how do these two linebackers play now that Kendricks is back? 
Um, I think Murray has stepped up pretty darn well in his absence. So given Kendricks is returning, and I don't think things were great week one, but given the circumstances of what's going on in his life, you know, how, how does that go this week? So I don't know if that's underrated or overlooked, um, but I, I think that is something to keep an eye on because Murray's played so well. Do things not look so good with this duo reunited? Yeah, I I think that's a good one. I Every time I watch the Raiders tape, I, I selfishly love watching Josh Jacobs pass protect. And mm. so, you know, the, the Chargers use their linebackers blitzing quite often. Uh, Nick Neiman is actually like, uh, I think, third among linebackers in pass rush win rate right now. So that's been a, a treat to see. Kenneth Murray's obviously had some some splash pressures, splash quarterback hits, but PFF hasn't classified them as wins per se. Um, obviously, against the Titans, he basically had a free shot right away at Ryan Tannehill. So I think that's a good one, both from a run game perspective and also from a pass rushing, pass mm-hmm. protection perspective, because Josh Jacobs is fantastic in pass protection. Yeah, I've listened. Good. Awesome. I never knew that. So that's great. Yeah, he's he's really good in pass protection. Um, let's see. Under the radar, we've talked a lot about a lot of them. Um, right. I, Ryan Ficken versus DeAndre Carter. How about that one? Hmm. Uh, DeAndre okay. Carter obviously was one of the more efficient punt returners in the league last year. Kick returning was a bit of an issue. Um, you don't have Dean Leonard this week. So he's been like your best gunner on special teams. So curious how Ryan Ficken just kind of approaches his uh, former protege. And listen, man, Ryan Ficken is an amazing coach. So I expect him to have totally. a plan for it. Yeah, I, I almost talked about Daniel Carlson, but I don't really know if that's a, a matchup. I don't know how many times sure. I see a blocked field goal here. But yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I think Carter is at 23 yards per attempt in terms of kickoff returns. Oh, cool. So he's five his... yards better than last year. Awesome. Right. Which, <laughs> again, I have no idea why or what. I think the Raiders have had pretty decent special teams over the years. So, yeah, that's a not a bad one. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, LD Broom, great point here. No more big penalties on third down. They've been game-changing. They really have. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but every time it happens... I feel like the other team goes to score. Like it just has that feel to it. Yeah. Um, right now, I think they're at eight penalties on third down. And that's just, you know, some of that will just naturally happen. Right. But it's been bad penalties too. Like just like not smart football plays. So hopefully that is something that they work on. Um, and Derek Kinsley took full ownership of it this week in his press conference. We have to coach them better. I have to do better. So I think that eventually this will correct course but yeah man they're they're probably two and one without these penalties right now yeah easily yeah, even just penalties in general i think you know you lose you give up a pass interference they get three in a game you lose by two you have the roughing the passer on sebastian joseph day they get seven in a game you lose by three you know so so those those i don't know if it was third down or not but they do have to be avoided um hopefully do you feel like derwin is do you feel like Derwin is trending towards being a guy that the league is like, yeah, we're just going to call it more for him in particular? I do because he's so violent. Like when he gets home, it just, even if it's not like a true penalty, it looks that way live. Like I, I uh, clipped out the the penalty from this past one and you clearly see him like turn his head and like lead with his shoulder. But Madison lowered his head and it looked way worse than it was on film. So I, I think Derwin's just kind of have to like make an adjustment and, you know, play through this kind of thing. And it's, it sucks because that would have been a huge play, you know, mm-hmm. the one on Madison, the yeah. one on, um, was it Burks or was it Chris Moore? I forget that one. I do think was a legitimate, like penalty, like definition of the rule, but this past one against the Vikings, I thought there was a clear, like lowering of the shoulder, turning of the head, like textbook, like this is how I'm going to hit this guy. And they still called it just because Derwin is so big, so fast and mm-hmm. violent. So he's going to have to make an adjustment. It sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah. Anybody know the USC score? I'm trying to look it up. USC, Colorado. <laughs> oh, well, was... you know, Colorado's, you know, it's 34 14, but. At least they've scored. Scoring. It was 21-0 when we started. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, 34 points in the first half. Uh, yeah, you know, 36 more to tie Miami. Uh, Frank Blakely, do you think the heavy emphasis on stopping the run has led to explosives in the pass game? Uh, SBJ's comment after the Titans game. I assume this is when Sebastian Joseph Day was saying that they didn't run for that many yards. Um, mm, what do you think mm-hmm. about what do you think about this? Hmm. I, I would have said honestly that the emphasis on stopping the run has led to maybe their pass rush hasn't been as strong. You know, I think Khalil Mack, I think in particular, is clearly very much so all about stopping the run this year, primarily, yeah. and then being, being a pass rusher second, um, it seems like. And obviously, Joey, you you bulk up that much. It's because of this. So I, I would say maybe the pass rush rate has been down um, because of the emphasis on stopping the run, but not the explosives allowed by the secondary, which feels like communication, missed assignment, coaching, et cetera. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the explosive plays, it's a lot of bad angles, miscommunication. I mean, like, if you watch the Justin Jefferson touchdown, like JT Woods, for whatever reason, is just like looking to the left and doesn't see Justin Jefferson coming across until the final moment. And then he takes a bad angle at that point. So there, there's been stuff like that. There's been miscommunication. There's been uh, leverage mistakes. So I think that more is what the explosive in the pass game is about. Um, I think that's a good point about the pass rushing, though. And, you know, I think these edge rushers are really, really emphasizing the run game right now. And it's paying off like for them um, in that regard. But, you know, at some point, Joey or Khalil probably needs to become a more effective pass rusher than Thule, as much as like Thule a great story. Um, at some point when these three all get healthy on the field together, I'm hopeful that like the pass rushing snaps get kind of divided up more equally. People are playing more fresh. There's more of a rotation. And all three of those guys can become more efficient pass rushers. Yeah, for as great as Truly has been, there is definitely a gear and a tier that Joey could be at and should be at when he's healthy. It's just yeah. different as a pure edge rusher. A lot of what Truly does is awesome. They're using him as a chess piece, um, which is great. But I think in terms of I need to beat your tackle and sack the quarterback, that is still Joey's thing. So hopefully he can yeah. be, you know, back to better. Related, uh, Khalil Mack obviously playing his former team. He had three sacks in week one last year. Does he get his first sack this week? Nibisaba asks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just... I, the tack, I mean, look, I think their line has been better than expected, but I I just don't see a whole lot of... Even just watching Jimmy G against the Steelers last week, granted that's TJ Watt and, and Highsmith that he's going against, um, everything just seemed to tick slow. And I, I think his time to throw is at like 2.8 seconds which I believe is the most of his starting career. So things are just taking a bit longer to develop or, or he's holding on to it longer and he looks a bit slower. Granted, it could be Hoyer this week, um, which either way, that, that that does to me indicate that this is probably the week Max, Mac gets a sack and like everyone's been saying it's a revenge game sort of aspect. Yeah, revenge game aspect. I think Colton Miller is a really good offensive tackle, but the one thing he's always been susceptible to is power rushers. And that's obviously what Khalil is. It's what he does best. So I do think that Khalil has himself a pretty good day. He's been, Mm -hmm. I know like people really freaked out about the uh, ESPN win rate for him being zero after two weeks, but he has been getting pressures. Like he has been like hitting the quarterback. It's just not super clean rushes at this point. I think we see Khalil have his, the best game of his season so far uh, tomorrow. I think he's just due for that. You know, he's got, I think he's at, he's at 15 pressures right now or something like that. He, yeah, it's funny because the, the win rate is terrible, but you look at the numbers and it's like, oh, he has a lot of pressures, you know, yeah. relative to compared to what I would have guessed. Um, I can look it up. Give me two seconds. Khalil Mack has on the season 12 pressures and one sack. Yeah, so 12 pressures across three games is, is pretty solid. Uh, yeah. It's not 0% win rate for sure. Um, so I, th- no. I think he's due for a good game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate all the uh, good questions. Um, ooh, we had this one from uh, Frank. I don't know if you want to address it. If you could ask Antonio Gates any questions, what would it be? What would you ask Antonio Gates? Um, how do you sustain a career of being a little bit slower and maybe not the, the athlete you once were, but how do you sustain your career 
late, late, late into your career and continue to be efficient. And I would specifically be asking that for Keenan Allen, who's on pace to pass Antonio Gates for a lot of a lot of records, except for touchdowns in the next few years. That's a great question. That is a really good question. Um, I would also say, how do I want to word this? Mm, maybe just like red zone success. Like what was the key to really becoming yeah. that lethal in the red zone? Like how did you and Philip Rivers kind of develop that? mind meld and how did you you know like what was the process like of him becoming such a lethal red zone threat because obviously most touchdowns at the tight end position but like yards wise like he's still he's still pretty down there from in comparison to like tony gonzalez and stuff like that um so maybe some kind of like red zone question frank's a smart guy you can kind of decipher that a little bit but um <laughs> yeah I'm, i've always been curious about just like the red zone stuff yeah there's i think the charges of the last couple of months or whatever i just i feel like i'm seeing a lot more oh here's this game here's this three touchdown game from gates you know i feel like i've seen more highlights of him and i've been watching some older highlights with, with gates and rivers and those moments like how did they get on the same page to the point i mean it is kind of like mahomes and kelsey where there was just that clip we saw where he's like yeah kelsey yeah just I, does I, what I, he wants yeah does what he wants and i know he's gonna do that and so i just threw it i know he's gonna completely go to where the play is not gonna supposed to go and yet it's a touchdown. And I just feel like that was kind of the case with Gates, who, again, was 114 touchdowns, you know, best most in NFL history. Uh, you get there by being good at that somehow. So, uh, yeah, asking how is a good one. Yeah, for sure. All right, you guys, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your Saturday. Hopefully your teams uh, playing football today do well. Um, unless, oh, wait, BYU played last night, so we're good um yeah should be fun so we'll be going live tomorrow night probably around after football uh give tyler and everybody else some time to get home from the game um but we'll keep you posted exactly what time so appreciate everybody for tuning in appreciate the questions we'll see you next time as always bolt up everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.